Hello, this is Severin Henderson back again for another episode of Department 3C Presents, a podcast. And today I'm getting the great honor to speak with a legend in the fire service to me, um, one of my old chiefs, Chief Johnny Brewington. And along with us, we also have at the Woodmere Fire Department, Captain Mark McCary. Um, I've known both of these guys for a very long time and we're just going to have a quick conversation about all the great stuff that they have going on. Um, really, this is a podcast to interview the chief, and Mark going to help me out just because he's my buddy and he's here. So <laughs> with all that being said, Chief, could you introduce yourself to us? Hey, hey it's a pleasure. Good seeing you again. And, and actually, the cap is going to make me look good. <laughs> I'm one of those old dinosaurs just still hanging around. Well, that's, that's awesome. Um, Mark, introduce yourself to us, please. Uh, thank you, Severin. Uh, my name is Mark McCary. I'm a captain of the Woodmere Fire Department. Uh, I've known Severin probably 20, over 20 years. Yep. Uh, I've had the uh, great pleasure of watching him grow as a man and a firefighter, and it's always a pleasure to help him out whenever I can. Thank you. Okay, so like I said, we're here at Woodmere. We're in the um, council chambers. I got a chance to visit my old station real quick and check everybody out and see all the progress that you guys have had going on. So, Chief Bruinton, can you give me a brief history of how you got here and how you got all this awesome stuff going on here? Well, my, my journey started in 1981 uh, as far as entering the service in 1980 applying and it was through the efforts of other individuals. Actually, one of the former chiefs here, Albert Benjamin, was the person that uh, convinced me, along with uh, Chief Rockman, to apply for the Cleveland Division of Fire back in the in the eighties. You know, so I I've had a, a memorable journey getting through uh, the fire service and eventually landing up here. Well, you, 1981, that's the year I was born. So I always think that's, like, really cool when I talk to people who started something, like, when I was just coming around. So that's extra awesome to me. So all that experience and all that time is just invaluable, and I really appreciate it. Um, about your – so you started in 1981. Of course, you started as a firefighter. Where did you retire from the Cleveland Division of Fire Ass? Uh, I was battalion chief uh, with the Cleveland Division of Fire. Okay. And I retired in 2012. Okay. And all of that time, all of those experiences, I know you have some awesome stories, but we don't really get into too many stories because we're not trying to bring up the trauma. We're trying to talk about the forward progressiveness of – everything that's going on in the fire service. So speaking to that, talk to us about your position here now at Woodmere. Well, I, I, I have the pleasure of working with the captain and some outstanding personnel. Mm -hmm. And we were, uh, during my tenure track, there wasn't any uh, women on the department when I got here. And we currently do have a, a lady that works with the department. Okay. Uh, we, we're trying to expand. We like to be ALS all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm working on that, but it, it's a challenge keeping uh, good paramedics mm -hmm. because a lot of departments are also looking for the same thing and they're pairing it at a better rate. Mm -hmm. Well, this was my second fire job on um, Woodmere. My first was at Highland Hills, and that's actually where we met, and that's where I got hired by Chief Knowles. And um, Chief Knowles, that was a good friend of yours, and he 
kind of convinced you to come there too. Can you tell us about that? Oh uh, yeah, I well, Chief Knows was a, a mentor, friend, uh, and a co-officer with me in, in Cleveland, and we served a lot of places together. And I owed him a lot. We taught at the academy together, and I'm talking about uh, the Cleveland Fire Training Academy. So once he got to Highland Hills, he said, hey, could you come out there? I'd like to get some assistance out there in training people. So I came out as his assistant chief, and I stayed for his entire tenure track there. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, he ended up moving to Richton Park, and I kind of reconnected with him, me being in Chicago, and went to visit him a few times out there. So that was, I followed him because he, he went out there and then I ended up getting a job in Chicago. So, but when you got there, I remember when you got there, our training day was Tuesday. And in Cleveland, you get to pick, what, what do you, what do we call it in Cleveland? A daily day or a Kelly day? The day yeah. you get to be off? Yeah, they, some people call it Kelly. Some people call it, in Cleveland, they called it was your special day. Okay, special day. In mm -hmm. um, Chicago, we call it uh, um, daily day. Mm -hmm. So you picked a Tuesday, and that was like, not unprecedented, but that was just above and beyond because Tuesday is a bottom-of-the-barrel day. And for you to pick that day to be off all the time to come train us. That really showed your dedication to helping us out there. Well, I, I appreciate that, but I, that's something was instilled by my parents, especially my mother. So when you commit to something, you commit. Well, you, you did an outstanding job. And when you got there and started training, that's like kind of when the light really went on. We Before, we just used to drop holes and pack it up. That was, And then we did walkthroughs. But when you got there, we started actually really doing stuff for real so appreciate all that mark let's talk about you a little bit so i met you at highland hills and you were um working for another neighboring department north randall and you know me and you talked and got to be buddies and then you even got me the job here actually you um told me to come up here and then like you said um albert benjamin he was the chief at the time he was in north randall then he came here and and i I think I was the second person he hired. Oh uh, yeah, I think that's correct. Uh, I mean, it's funny, you know, the fire service is a small world because uh, we were talking about Chief Knowles, and Chief Knowles also helped me early in my career. Um, I went up to Highland Hills uh, to see about working, and he directed me about taking Cleveland's fire test at the time, mm -hmm. and, and gave me a few pointers on things I needed to do. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, it's. Uh, it's amazing how he, he touched all three of us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. he touched so many people. And it's a, a great testament to his dedication to the fire service and helping the community. Yeah, he's an outstanding guy. Uh, um, like I said, I wrote about him in the book. Um, I have another couple of projects I'm working with, working on. I'm going to talk about him some more there. But he really got me going. And I was on another podcast, and they had me um, tell my first fire story. And my first fire story was with him. It was those apartments in North Randall across from the racetrack, and they caught on fire, and he was just in there talking. And I thought I could do the same thing. I took that mask off, almost died, and I was on the floor. <laughs> so, so it was it was all bad. But he was, just, he was in there talking direct, didn't go over here, do this, do that. And like I said, that was literally my first time being in a fire. So it was that was awesome. Um, so, Chief... The one thing you said, I, you said about 
bring it on. It's hard to have paramedics and you want to be ALS here all the time, which is always the goal. You always want to offer the best service. Can you speak to us about some of the challenges in that aspect? Well, it's it's, uh, numerous when you want to mention the challenges. One is uh, economically, the cost of the class, uh, the time commitment, and you'd almost have to catch somebody that's not committed. When I say committed, they haven't started their family. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have a lot of bills that they have to be responsible for mm-hmm. because that's a commitment of time and money. So without having opportunities, i.e., uh, the uh, school systems, be it public or private, and I'm talking at the high school level, mm-hmm. to at least do, to introduce you to those type of fields and get you part of the way. You know, there are now uh, vocational programs in many states that will offer at least the EMT basic. Mm-hmm. So that, that's getting you part of the way and possibly getting you employed on the private side, more so on the public side. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the challenge you run into. You can find a lot of good people, but they have circumstances that don't allow them to either pay for the class because they're trying to work and do other things. Right. So it's a little difficult the further along you get. Um, now, now, speaking of that, and you talked about how young people start off, you had a hand in helping with the um, MLK program? Uh, a small one. Well, that was my thought process. Okay. See, uh, my personal story is, although I had the grades and the opportunity to go to school and I'm talking about college, on a scholarship because I wanted to supplement my family's income, I joined the military instead of going directly to college, Mm -hmm. you know, because that was the only place that was going to give me an opportunity without experience, you know, and I'm talking about, yeah, work experience. So I promised myself uh, later on in life, if I could help create other opportunities, the military is a good option, mm-hmm. but whether you go in and stay for two, four, six, or a full career, you will come back to civilian life. Mm-hmm. So I wanted other civilian life opportunities other than the military for young folks. Mm-hmm. That's um, kind of the thing that we're teaching, because i I, like I was telling you, I volunteer at a couple of places, the um, Black Brigade, and now I'm going to enter another program with the city that's more of official. It's under the CPS. But we say, you know, military isn't a bad option. Sometimes, I don't want to say I regret not going, but I just wish I would have looked more at that opportunity because you get a skill, you get benefits from it, you know. So that's one of the things I kind of wish I would have done. But it 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 worked out for now for me <laughs> so so that's all good um speaking more to woodmere when i was here we were in a garage now you guys are just have apparatus in the garage you have um a scba fill station i see you guys got new gear you don't have to sit out there with the rigs anymore you get to you got another place how did you go about getting some of those things accomplished here well i got to credit the individuals that were here before me that they were always trying to progress mm-hmm. and then when i came in i just tried to continue and take that to the next step Mm-hmm. Now, fortunate for us, space became available. That was one of the issues. Although I, I although you can't tell because we're 
all wearing masks. You, you would see me smiling. <laughs> when I got here, the weather was transitioning mm -hmm. to the cold weather, mm -hmm. and the heater didn't work. Okay, now, I, the problem was not paying somebody to repair it. You can't get a heater repaired when people were sleeping. Mm -hmm on the apparatus floor. No contract, no electrical contractor will do that because mm -hmm. you're not supposed to do that. So I took the old chief's office, converted it to a dorm, mm -hmm. and eventually we just continued over time. Once the service department moved out of this building, it, then the police were able to take over their space and we got some of the police's old space okay. to extend, to have a living area. Well, it, it looks night and day i i can't even describe what it used to look like to what it looked like what it looks like now and then um when i was talking to some of the firefighters they say we're we not done yet this is this is just the first couple of steps and i'm like man well you should have saw where we were at <laughs> when when i first got here so as far as what what's the next steps do you guys got any more plans well if, yeah we do or hopes and plans and hopes but okay. before to go there because the cap was here Long before me, he yeah. he could better speak to that than I can. Yeah, actually, you, yep, that, thank you for that. Because, right, you were here long before I was, too. So you can talk more about how it used to look and what do you see now? Oh, well, as you said, there there's a big difference between the way it used to be and how it is currently. Uh, you know, back in the day when I first started, we only had two people on duty and... Uh, you know, we had a couple couches and chairs in the bay, and, and that's where we stayed 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And then eventually uh, we got bunks out there, and eventually, uh, like Chief said, we were able to move into his uh, office, and he, he moved into a different office. Mm -hmm. And then currently, you know, we have a whole separate space. But uh, we've had some uh, many challenges here to overcome, and Chief has definitely helped us uh, push forward. Yeah, that's that's true. I, when I first started, like you said, I came and we just had, uh, we were sitting out in the bay. We had a truck. We had the Sutphin truck. We had that nice engine that we that you guys still have now, the um, E1, right? And we had a uh, Ambo. And we just used to sit around and stuff. And then one day we got tired of, because we did used to sleep in the office originally. And the chief, like, had just a desk. The chief of the department had a desk. And then it changed from him having a desk to him having a whole office because we moved the bunks out of the office. Little did we know we were sealing our fate because <laughs> we built a wall and we built ourselves our own little prison and the chief had his own office. So you opened it back up for um, the guys to move back into the office and then that, that got the ball rolling. So Yeah, I didn't want them to go a winter without heat. Now, yeah. I've done that, but it wasn't in this municipality. Mm -hmm. I, I've stayed in stations where there was no heat mm -hmm. and no hot water and whatever. Mm -hmm. And because we could have relocated, be, uh, that traditionalist, a pride, we wanted to stay in our station, mm -hmm. we suffered. Yep. So I didn't want to see that occur. So we were able to get the heater replaced and make some adjustments. Now, we weren't able to bring the tower back. Right, I see that. It wouldn't fit in that space any longer. So. Okay. Um, so what did you guys end up doing with the tower? Well, it spent some time in a neighboring community that has a lot of space, mm -hmm. and eventually we sold it. Okay. You know, and as you asked, plans for the future, a utopia would be a, to get us a new quint. Okay. And possibly get space 
of our, when I say designated as our own, a uh, uh, standalone station. Okay. So, yep, those are the plans that are keep going forward. That's the thing. That's what I said. Keep moving up. Keep doing everything great. Um, it looks, like I said, fantastic in there compared to what it look, used to look like. And then on top of that, when we used to bring our gear around, we had to do a little dance. And the tower, it was a basket in the back. And you had to, like walk sideways through there to get your gear to the next rig. It was it was a mess. The summertime was cool because we could leave the doors up, but come wintertime, it wasn't no fun. <laughs> and then that heater would come on, the heat from the sky, and just dun, blowing, blowing your face. But that's firefighters around the world. We, we have that pride aspect to where we, hey, this is ours. We're going to take this turd and polish it the best we can and make it ours and we're proud of it. So that's part of the pride aspect that I try and tell new people when they come on. You know, that's your house. That's your station. And we we don't even call them stations. We just say, that's your house. And we try and tell them that. You have to take care of it. You clean it. Clean it better than your house because some people live really messed up. And so when you come here, you want to always have it better. But thank you, you know, for telling me. You're right. Mark was here way longer than Either one of us were here. He's been here the longest, except for Dale. Dale's been here the longest, longest. Okay. Um, Assistant Chief Cohen, and he's not around. I'd love to talk to him too, but. Well, I'll make sure I call him before you leave. And, And speaking on the extension of, you know, calling it a house or your home, you spend a lot of time. If you look at your work hours, uh, and you compare them to other jobs, you're spending a lot of time here. So it's a, it's a secondary uh, extension mm-hmm. of relationships. Mm-hmm. You said it perfectly, of relationships. I talk a little bit about that too. You know, some people, and this is something I learned from coming to Highland Hills, I started to work with people that I had never met or interacted with before. And so learn that from you, how to deal with people and how to talk to people different that, that, that aren't like your regular family members or like not like everybody you see growing up. So that, that was always a struggle, and I see it for younger people coming in. They kind of don't know how to, not because they don't want to know, it's just if you haven't been exposed to different people, you don't really know how to talk to them. So. Well, you just said the key. It, it's exposure. And your your circle is expanded where it may have not have been expanded before just because of your normal activities. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking of the Highland Hill days, uh, although Chief Timmons is no longer there, me and him, although he's in the, he's in the Philippines, we try, still keep in contact with each other. I mean, you, you think of the ladies that work there. Mm-hmm. Occasionally I'll see... Uh, Diana or Sophia, Sophia yeah. you know, or they'll post something and I'll see it. So, mm-hmm. you know, and Savini's still there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, just to uh, name a few, and Strickland's out at the airport. We, mm-hmm. we can go on and on. Yep, we can go on and on. Yeah, um, that's one of my next stops I'm going to make over there. I, um, it was a, it's a young lady that works there now. She's a power lifter. And I um, saw her entering a thing. And every picture she would post, it would look like Highland Hills. And so eventually I DM'd her. And I know that's kind of hard to 
talk to people sometimes, especially women, because they got people coming at them in their DMs all the time. But she actually answered me back and said, hey, I think I used to work here. Is that the place? And she said, yeah. And she, like, kind of told me what was going on there. So it looks like they have a lot of great stuff going on as well. Um, real quick about the Woodmere aspect and the suburbs. We, well, I say we, I don't work here anymore. <laughs> but you guys work with the surrounding communities. Can you kind of tell me how your responses go with the with um, Orange? We got Pepper Pike, we got Beechwood. You tell me about them. You can you can tell me, Cap. Uh, sure. Um, the way we work, uh, you know, we only have uh, three members on duty plus the chief. So whenever we get a major incident, uh, we'll have to call for mutual aid. So we have box alarm systems already in place. Mm -hmm. So for example, if we get a working fire, uh, dispatch will tell us as well as our mutual aid companies out at the same time. So we're all able to respond very quickly. And, you know, we're used to working together because when anybody has a major incident, they need manpower. So we, we have to work with each other quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Now, firewise, we said you got rid of the tower. What do you do for those? What, what do we do for that now? Well, well you got a, a Pepper, Pepper okay. Pike and uh, Chief uh, Frazier, I mean, Chief Wilson has uh, also been supportive, but Chief uh, Frazier has been a, a tremendous ally for me here, and they have a platform. We, although it's, it's been two years and I'm looking toward the apartments, that mm -hmm. we had a major incident on the coldest day mm -hmm. of, of the year. Beachmont Towers. Yeah, Beachmont yeah, yep. Beach Towers fire. Mm -hmm. uh, and their platform was instrumental in helping us contain that. And then when you talk about suburbs in general, no matter what state you're talking about, the Mavis box system has to kick, kick in because mm -hmm. nobody is staffing at the NFPA level mm -hmm. uh, for even your first alarm, you know, and anything going beyond it, you're just bringing in more uh, communities. Mm -hmm. So just, right, kicking it up, kicking right. it up, kicking it up. Um, yeah, when I was driving down the street, I saw they had it boarded up. You said that happened two years ago? Yeah, it'll be two years uh, January. Oh, okay. Yes. That's, I didn't even know that that was the case, so. Well, it was a combination of, you had the fire in January, and then in February, a section of the roof came off. So, oh. So it compounded the mm -hmm. issue and the fact that you couldn't isolate utilities, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, older building, they didn't have branch valves. Now right. they're dealing with that. So, it, it, I mean, it's a more complicated story. <laughs> okay. I, I understand. I see. Like I said, I rolled back. And it looked like some people living in there and other people not. And I remember we used to do walkthroughs of there all the time. They had, like, the wood floor. It was an old building. So, yeah, that's, well, that's, hopefully they get it going sooner than later. And then, Mark, for you, I remember when we were looking for more space when we were here, we actually looked at getting an apartment. The um the place across the street was gonna give us an apartment for half a second, and then that fell through. You remember that? Uh, I do remember that. Uh, the they were gonna give us an apartment and we were gonna stay there. But the uh, chief at the time, Chief Benjamin, uh, was not a fan of that. So yeah. we were right back into the station. I I have to say I I agree with it. I, I oh, agree. I, too. I, don't worry. That conversation <laughs> came up on my watch. I'm like. Well, it, yeah, it, at the time, I, you know, we thought it was a good idea, but looking back, yeah, that was not a good idea. Well, you, it was well, not a good idea. And, and I'm not thinking of the things that you would think would hit the 
the newspaper. I'm thinking of just the logistics part. You, your communication system from there uh, to give you a notification, you would, at best, you would have been stuck to the phone system. Mm -hmm. okay? Now, uh, there are a few people that still have uh, landlines. So unless you were going to put a landline, a speaker, and some other things in there to enhance that, the possibility of, of missing a notification for alarm would have been one of the challenges. Yeah, and then it was only two of us, so we would have had to have like a real watch where like you sleep for two hours, then I'm going to wake you up and, yeah, stuff like that. So, it, it, yeah, that wouldn't have – there's a lot of stuff that wouldn't have worked with that plan. But you guys got around it, you worked your way around it, and I was outstanding. Um, so, Chief, let's talk an about another subject that's like near and dear to your heart and to mine as well. For a while, you were the president of the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters. Um, and I know you said you had an appointment to get to today. Can you talk to me about your experience oh, with that? Well, yeah, I've been a member of the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters since the day I graduated uh, from the Cleveland Fire Academy mm -hmm. in March of 1981. And I had the pleasure of serving as the vice president for four years and the president for six years. Okay. So I, that organization is very near and dear to me. And tonight will be a historical uh, milestone for that organization. Uh, the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters will swear in its first uh, woman president. And she's out of uh, Flint, Michigan. Okay. Yeah. That's, I, I, outstanding individual. That that's right. I haven't had the chance to meet her, but I look at a lot of stuff online, and it seems like her track record and her record is impeccable. So it looks like she's the right person for the job, and I'm glad to see, especially we empowering women more. And you even spoke to that. You said you have a woman on here, and you know we worked with women before. Um. As far as the minority aspect, and of course, like I said, well, like you said, you have the black professional firefighters. Um, Women-wise, it seems like we're helping them and we're trying to help women get on more. Um, can you speak to me a little bit more about how to push for to get women in the service more? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, let me uh, first uh, mention some women who actually help men or me. you got to realize they're have been uh, women chief officers mm -hmm. in the fire service for some time. And I'm talking even on the, on the Metro side, mm -hmm. you know, I could, uh, Chief Cloud that uh, started in Atlanta. She was responsible for the busiest airport <laughs> in the country. And then she moved over to East Point. And I mean, there, there's been numerous and there still are uh, women chief officers in the fire service and black women chief officers in the fire service. Mm -hmm. But uh, for any person to get in, to, for me, it's an exposure uh, type of uh, scenario. Some people are in, exposed because they have relatives in, mm -hmm. and other people are exposed based on people reaching out. That's why I said having vocational programs, having uh, opportunities for individuals to come in and take a view. You know, it, most individuals, be it uh, male or female, didn't 
have the fire service as their career starting as a child, right. maybe even into their teenage years. Mm -hmm. There's only a few. Chief Knows is the only person I knew yep. that was a sitter as a child, and he wanted to be a firefighter. Yes, he talked about that all the time. He said he would go to 41, and he would just, they knew him better than anybody. He was just there. Yeah, he was a sitter. Not, yep. But for the majority of people that I've talked to, mm -hmm. even if they had family members in, that wasn't their first option. Right. And for me, when I went in the military, it was offered to me, and I turned it down. Mm -hmm. Now, Benjamin, when he went in the military, it was offered to him, and he took it. Mm -hmm. Because most people don't realize he was a firefighter for the Air Force. Mm -hmm. And he came back from Panama when he signed up for Cleveland. And that's the only reason I signed up, because he was going back to Panama. Mm -hmm. I had to communicate with him. Mm -hmm. So, and it worked out well for both of us, but it was exposure and relationships, nothing else. So, exposure and relationships. Well, that's, that's awesome. We, we're trying to like I said, with these couple of programs, we're trying to push and get women going more. Um, I know they have some issues with, now we have a, um, what's it called? CPAP. It's a national standard test. And I know in Cleveland, I was talking to some guys, they say they're having a, they're having a difficult issue getting um, minorities as far as people of color and women on the job. So I know it's like a national thing and you want everybody to come in, but the biggest the most important part is you want somebody to be able to do their job effectively. So, and all, every woman, every woman I've worked with, she's been great. So I had one of my good friends, she was in the academy with me also, and she um, is tougher than a lot of the guys. <laughs> so, and we saw that at Highland Hills when we were together there too, so. And, and I, I, I like to add this, I, I've had uh, numerous conversations with a whole lot of folks. Mm -hmm. And I've, in my younger days, probably tried a couple of things that I wouldn't try now at, at this age. But uh, the strength thing that people used to always, I've, I've had people say, I, I told them, I said, and back then I didn't weigh what I weigh now. I said, you couldn't carry me down the ladder. Mm -hmm. So without some assistance. Mm -hmm. So my point in this is nobody in our business does not perform their job unless they have some type of assistance. Right. The reason we have certain tools is we, none of us is that strong. Mm -hmm. We need the tools and we know how to, we have enough strength to utilize the tools. So the application and the different uh, aspects of our field now uh, kind of makes that a, a conversation that's past its time. Yes, I, I agree. And I remember me being young and dumb and there, and we were having some kind of contest, and I said, it's about strength. And, and the other woman said, no, it's technique, and she beat me in whatever contest it was. So that's when the lights started. I said, ah, maybe I should work a little smarter, not harder. So, and like I said, that was from one of those trainings on those Tuesday nights. So, um, Mark, real quick, let me ask you, you have a book that's getting ready to come out. Can you talk to me about that, that same thing and kind of that minority aspect? Uh, sure. Uh, the name of the book is uh, Our Neighborhood Firefighters. And uh, what inspired me to uh, start on this book is uh, I purchased a, a book about firefighting some years ago. It was a 350-page book. It was red leather with gold leaf on it. It's a beautiful book. Mm -hmm. But out of those 350 pages, there was a page and a half about minority firefighters in there. Mm -hmm. 
So that really bothered me. So I felt like that there was a void out there that needed to be filled. So it kind of inspired me to, uh, you know, you know, if I'm going to complain about it, then I need to do something about it. Yeah. So I've been working on it for a few years. And uh, also I have a grandson and I wanted, you know, something that I could show him to give him some inspiration. And, and for young people to see, you know, we can be more than just, you know, athletes and entertainers. There's so many things that we're good at. And uh, I wanted to put something out for, uh, you know, young children and teenagers to be able to just see firefighters in action and hear hear our stories, our trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, hopefully it does well. And I plan on donating books to inner city schools and any money I make in the book would just go back to buying more books so I could donate mm-hmm. uh, even more. So uh, hopefully this is the first of many because I have a, a bunch of ideas you know, fueling, fueling in the fire. So uh, hopefully uh, it'll be a success. Well, I'm sure it will. I had a guy, like, in Chicago reach out to me. He said he got it from another guy in California that reached out to him. So it's making its way around and, and speak. So that's, what's up? you well on your way. So I can't wait to read it, can't wait to see it. And speaking of books, you guys got a little book donation program out front here, I see. Is that something you guys started? Or is that just kind no, of a village thing? It's a it's a village thing. Okay. Yeah, but it, it's just trying to encourage uh, people to realize that by increasing their reading, they're going to expand. There are a lot of possibilities for themselves. And sometimes you, under the current uh, pandemic, you can't travel physically to places, but mm-hmm. mentally you could travel to places mm-hmm. uh, via... Uh, books and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just trying to get people to uh, to grow. You got to get outside of the pot you in, right? Or it, you it exposure be, again. Right. You'll yep. be root bound. Yep. So you got to get into a bigger pot. Yep. And you got to expand yourself. And I I I also credit uh, uh, the cap and and his primary department because there. Uh, a while back, this was when the government had empowerment zone money for vocational training, mm-hmm. there was a program where high school students that were in the MLK program, they didn't have the opportunity to do paid internships mm-hmm. with the Cleveland Fire Department, but they were with the Warrensville Fire Department. They okay. were also at Highland Hills, you know, and eventually that program grew to the point that one of the first graduates from the MLK program went out to Warrensville and started the Warrensville Five Academy program. Yep. You know, so it just shows you the possibilities and you never know who you touch until you reach out and try to touch somebody. I'm trying to catch up with him now. We talked last week too, so I'm trying to trying to hunt him down as well. Cause he he was up here before when we were all young and our drill was drop the holes and <laughs> put it back on and clean up and stuff like that. So we and I worked with him in my other um, department that my full-time job before I left and moved to the city of Chicago. So, and speaking of that, the city of East Cleveland, you still a resident of the city of East Cleveland? Uh, well, I'm not, but the house that I had there, I, I gave to my older son. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm currently a resident of a, a Richmond Heart, uh, Richmond Heights, I'm sorry. Right. And, uh, but I'm, for me, I'm a Clevelander, that high, Clevelander that migrated to East Cleveland. That was a funny story <laughs> for me. That was only because my oldest son was a 
doing well in wrestling and the Cleveland school system stopped their wrestling program. Oh, okay. And East Cleveland was the closest municipality mm -hmm. for me to move in, and he was fortunate enough to do well. Okay. Well, you had a lot of influence in that city as well. Like you said, you're a Clevelander at heart. You worked for the, the Cleveland Division of Fire. And for a time, that was the only job I wanted. They just never gave the test when I was <laughs> eligible to take it. And then when they did give the test, I was in the academy in Chicago. People was like, hey, you should come back and take it just because. I said, well, I'm here now. I'm, I'm not really planning on, you know, going back. But, I, you know, I'm there now. I'm in Chicago, and I'm loving it and having a great time. Every once in a while, I do get homesick, so I got to come back and visit and bother all you all. But <laughs> I'm, I'm having an outstanding time in Chicago. And... And that's a, that's an it's an outstanding department too. So yeah, we 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 have a lot of a lot of good things going on. Um, some stuff that like anywhere needs some needs some tinkering, but for the most part, I I'm not a complainer, so try not to complain. And when we were talking about women in the fire service, you gotta realize number two there. Yep, number two exactly. It, it is a woman, right? a woman of color, black oh, and, woman, and her name is. <laughs> Annette? I didn't want to say her name because I don't know if I'm allowed to yet. But. No, but, but, all right, you can I, say it. I, I, I'll say her first name. But she, she's a good friend and an outstanding individual as well as the fire commissioner. Yes. I, right. I've met him. And when I was at the academy, I got to meet him and um, talk to him a lot. So, yeah, like I said, I'm, I was going to wait to say their names. Got to wait to get their permission. Oh, but. yeah. Well, that's all right. I, I don't have to ask. You don't. Right. You, you, you're, you're out of the... Out of the big service and right, mm. you can you can say what you want to say. I can't, can't yeah, stop no, you. No, I'm not that. trying to get you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's all good. Um, well, that's I'm appreciate you giving me your time. I appreciate you talking to me about um, issues that I had on my mind and that I think listeners would want to hear. Is there anything that I didn't touch on that either one of you two want to speak to? Well, I, I have to at least uh, mention. Uh, Two things about the city you work in. Okay. Okay. There's a lot of individuals I highly respected, but Mayor Washington was somebody I dearly respected. Okay. The, the uh, African-American mayor of, mm -hmm. of Chicago. No ifs, ands, and buts. And there's uh, multiple firefighters, but if you want me to say one name, sure. I'll say Wimbush. There's okay. a Cleveland Wimbush and mm -hmm. there's a Chicago Wimbush. Okay. And both of them, outstanding firefighter, fire. One was a fire officer here, and the other one was outstanding fire uh, uh, personnel in Chicago. Okay, I have to look for that person. I don't. Um, I don't think I know that person. So I'm yeah, he, he he's a legend. Okay, okay. Um, Mark, what about you? Any issues that? you know you want to bring up or talk about that i didn't touch on uh only thing i'd just like to touch on again is just uh how important it is to expose young people to different things uh i got into the fire service a little bit late i wish i would have got in when i was 18 years old but unfortunately um, I, I i did have some exposure to it and was able to join the fire service but uh, I, I just want to reiterate how important it is for us to expose young people to all different kind of things because you never know what you might get into until you're exposed to it. Right. So that's why it's important. You know, we're all doing our part in different ways. And, uh, you know, hopefully people listening can, you know, try to do their part to expose people, young people, to uh, all the opportunities that they have. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And um, when we put this out, 
they might hear some stuff in the background. Oh, that's the only interruption. But um, we got the honor and the pleasure to do it in the Woodmere City Council Chambers. And, you know, this is a public room, but people came in, waved at us. I got to meet the mayor. I haven't met him in person before. That was nice. Um, I got to see old friends that I worked with when I was here. So, Chief, I really appreciate you giving me the time, the space, and the opportunity to get to talk to you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And my shameless plug, although I no longer stay in East Cleveland, I still help them select their police and fire personnel because I'm the president of their Civil Service Commission. Oh, that's what's up. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, East Cleveland is always near and dear to my heart. It gave me my start, and you talk about fighting fires. That was a firefighting city. People don't even really understand, and Luckily and fortunately, nobody ever got majorly hurt, but we were doing things. Like now, I'm just used to throwing manpower at everything. Um, there, we were doing a lot with a little. This has been a Fire and Iron Media production. You have something to say, people want to listen. How's that, Daddy?